Final word, India-Australia Daily, day one of the fourth test from Ahmed about Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins. A lot went on before play today, which we will come to a little later in the show. But first, Adam has to tell you all about the full day of play in the space of 30 seconds. All right, sounds good. Australia win the toss on a huge day for Indian cricket in many ways. They make it to, to lunch two wickets down. They lose their first open at Travis Head Court at mid-on against the flow of play. India didn't start well. Their Manus Labashain chops on not long before lunch. Probably India's session on a flatter track. Middle session, though, Australia turn it on. They had 79 runs without losing a wicket. Steve Smith ticking over with Usman Khawaja, who by this point is beyond 50. They'd go bang, bang India after the tea break, though, getting rid of Smith, chopping onto Jadeja, then Hanscom castled by a reverse swinging delivery by Shami, losing his off stump. Khawaja then gets green for company. They put on 85 runs by the close of play together at a decent clip, going against second new ball. Khawaja reaches his 14th test hunt in the process, unbeaten 104 overnight. Four for 255. I reckon that's about 36. I know oh, I went too long, but it feels marks. like one of those days when you just needed oh, to... Four wickets. Needed the extra four detail. Four wickets in the day. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you have the choice. It's an artistic palette. The show is brought to you by the Visit Melbourne campaign, visitmelbourne.com. That's the city that we are from. Uh, and we encourage you to do exactly that. Now, what happened in Ahmedabad? Let's dive into things in a bit more detail. I think we need to start with, well, A, the fact that this ended up being... Not a batting, batting track in that it was super easy to bat because it was relatively difficult to score quickly. But if you were patient, it was a track where runs could be scored without too much risk. And if there's one thing that Usman Khawaja has become good at doing, it's doing exactly that. Yeah. His first five tests in Asia, he averaged 14, 15, and now he averages over 50 in Asian conditions, including those first five test matches. The turnaround has been huge. The way he played in Pakistan last year, 200s, 290s, uh, he's made his third half century of this series and then he went on to turn this one into 100. His first 100 in India, the first time he's been allowed to bat in India because he came here twice before and wasn't allowed to actually get in the team. Yep. It's been an extraordinary change uh, and development, evolution of a player's game to become pretty much the most important player in these conditions. Yeah, to pick up on a point you made uh, at the start of that um, passage, it's risk mitigation. It's the fact that he knows now how to get so deep in the crease and do it with ease. Not a lot of players can do that in Indian conditions and granted today were much easier conditions compared to indoor. I think we saw about five appeals today. There was about five every 10 minutes at indoor. Mm -hmm. that it was just a hive of activity, whereas today felt like far more, I wouldn't say placid test cricket, that would be underplaying it because it was tense stuff, but I mean, the ball wasn't turning square and exploding through the surface either. Indeed, I don't think the ball turned off the straight all day. And if it did, it was mostly via deception um, and doing them in drift and, and that kind of thing. Yep. So that, that was well suited to Kawaja. It reminds me of 12 months ago when we were in Rolpindi, then Karachi in Lahore. These were the same kind of innings he was playing there, batting as, at, at his own tempo, which at the moment is quite slow. I mean, Usman Kawaja, as a younger man, was quite a brisk scorer. These days, he... He takes his time, he's not in a hurry. I think he had a strike rate of 38 for his first half century, by far his slowest 50 of the series, because at indoor, we'll make that Nagpur rather. No, where did he make the first 50? It was Delhi. Second at, test at, match. At, at Delhi and at indoor, he had to bat at a pretty decent clip because he knew that um, the, the, the dice was stacked in favour of the bowling side. Here, he could kind of play more on his terms, and it worked so well. I'm so thrilled for him. Last over of the day, clipping through mid-wicket to bring up his 14th test ton. Um, it is such a great story, it gets better and better. Yeah, and the way that he's gone on, he gets to come back again tomorrow. The fact that he's been able to mentally make the shift as well from 
a surface where you need to score quickly and hope that you get enough before you get out yep. to one where you need to bat for two days. Exactly. Because that's the big thing here, right? And, and that's where, when the wobble happened, when Smith got out and then Hanscom played a couple of rasping pull shots and looked good for half an hour and then he gets out as well. It's not bang, bang, but it's two in relatively quick time. Yep. And you're thinking at that point, they're about four for 170 and you're thinking, well, if they get bowled out for, say, 300 even here, then India can come out and make 600. Sure. I mean, that's still a risk. That could still happen if a couple of wickets fall quickly on the second morning. But you can't afford as a side batting first to make a mid-range score in these sort of conditions. You have to make a massive one because otherwise the opposition's just going to come out and they're going to bat for two days and they're going to hurt you. Yeah, Smith joked before the test that, um, you know, maybe he should win the toss and bowl on account of what's happened in the series so far with all three teams batting and losing. But, um, of course, today was different. Again, there was always going to be grass taken off the pitch between yesterday and today. We knew that. Um, and when they got there this morning, they were quite happy to have a bat first with far less risk. There was no pace in the surface either. The difference at Delhi was that eventually it became a track that was very hard to bat on against spin, but initially it was pretty quick. Um, through the middle of the surface and we saw really none of that with the exception of a burst after tea with the old ball actually from Umesh Yadav and, and Muhammad Shami who had it reverse swinging so well mostly mostly Shami but the yeah. tiniest little bit yeah yeah enough to do Hanscom with that ball you referred to before which had his off bad batting from him I, really. I didn't think he I didn't think that one reverse much he was just hanging back so deep in his crease yeah, so the ball so the ball swung back towards him he was hanging back on his both things are true so he was hanging back on the crease but the ball reversed through and got him with a bit of extra pace through the air as you came with the older ball so they they held back on taking the second new ball for an over and then they eventually go to it and that's when Australia really are able to capitalise on the position they've gotten themselves into. Never in this series have Australia seen a second new ball. They've been dismissed True. inside 80 overs every time. They made it to 200 right. once and that was in like 76 overs at Delhi when they batted it at a pretty decent tempo. Here, second new ball, you remember that if teams are tired in the heat, it was 35 degrees today, and you've got a guy like Cameron Green walking in at number six, counter-attacking against the hard new ball when the bowlers are knackered is a pretty good way of doing things. So they, I think they, they timed yep. today well. Kawaja was in no hurry, knowing that Green down the other end could have a bit of license at six, kind of an old-fashioned thing, right? Your number six to counter-attack when the ball's getting old and when the ball's new again. Well, so it was today. Yeah, well, after, after coming in and doing the Cameron Green block thing for a few overs, then he decided that he was going to get going after that. Uh, Travis Head as well against the first new ball. Yep. He got dropped very early by KS Barad behind Dreadful the drop. Yeah, bad drop. His feet were tangled up. He was on the move, on the hop almost. You never want to see a wicketkeeper in the air moving sideways. No. You know, they should be smooth. They should be moonwalking, basically. Across the, across the turf, and then Head peels off seven boundaries. In a row, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Seven scoring shots in a row from Head were boundaries. Right, um, and did that thing that he does, which gets them up and running, and then Labuschagne dragging on off the inside edge. He's been the big disappointment of this tour for Australia with the bat. Interesting perspective. Yeah, he led Australia's averages before today, averaging Just that you were 37. expecting so much more. Like, he'd, yeah. he'd, done, he'd done so much training, he thought he's, if anyone's going to figure out a way to do it, it'll be him, and he hasn't done yeah, so he was the match winner last week at Indoor with Travis Head chasing 76 when he really got himself in. Looked really good towards the end. It's a shame that that wasn't a day they could have gone on with it in hindsight because he looked the full bit then. But um, yeah, he's got starts. He's n Today was the first time he's failed to make it the double digits. It was just one of those um, innings where he never looked settled. He was just, and that can happen. If you're not actually in um, and you get out early, you can chop on. That, that's a fairly regular occurrence. So he'll be gutted not to get in. Um, but yeah, I think he faced about sort of 25 balls for his three, so he was scratching mm -hmm. around, it wasn't fluent. It was the same for Smith early on, by the way. Smith was like four from 30 or something, but Smith looked really calm and really in control. And batting through that middle session, in Pakistan last year, we saw 12 wicketless sessions. Yep. 12 times where the two batters who started the session were still batting there at the end of the session. 
today. Hasn't happened, we saw the it? first one of those for the entirety of the series yeah. when Smith, who was batting at a lower tempo in the middle session compared to Kawaja and Kawaja, they just didn't do anything particularly flashy. But through the middle overs, uh, they batted, I think, none for 79 from 32 overs rings a bell mm. through the middle stanza. And that's exactly what Australia needed, taking the sting out of the hottest part of the day, getting the Indian bowlers yep. just a little bit oh, knackered. That all helps. They hurt them. I mean, Jadeja was down there on the boundary getting ice compressed, pushed yeah, onto yeah, the back yeah. of his neck. I mean, he's from he plays for Chennai. You know, he's used to, it's like it's 50 degrees sometimes there when you play IPL. Well, yeah, and, 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 and he's from this part of the world as well, Jadeja. He plays uh, Sarastra, which is another um, another side in the Gujarat sure. state. So he knows these conditions. Exactly. So he was getting the ice. Uh, Shami was getting back rubs in between overs when he was out near the boundary line, in between deliveries. Yeah. Like, they were hurting out there. And I didn't think there was a whole lot more Rohit Sharma could have done because the, the surface gave them nothing. And he was let down by his new ball bowlers. You know, both times they had the new ball, they waited it, they were profligate, yep. um, it swung wildly, they got crashed away for boundaries. Australia scored at their quickest when when each of the new balls was being used. So that thing of uh, turning to your fast bowlers to come on, well the fast bowlers were better with the older ball as you said. Yeah, we, we might turn to Shami's first spell when we get to the Hall of Fame in a bit. I've got something to add yes. to what we're going to talk about there. But yeah, the, 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 the way in which Yemesh um, Yadav bowled a really good spell of short stuff. I quite like the way that Rowett captained today. He was willing to try different things. At one stage, Ashwin was bowling with a 3-6 field from over the wicket to a left-hander. As an off-spinner, that's bloody hard. Um, you know, he had to keep a very disciplined leg stump or outside leg stump line. At different points, he had three out for the hook shot, one just in front of square, two back behind square. When he had Yumesh bowling three bounces and over, like, he tried things. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. The fact that Australia get away in the last half an hour, they probably should be four for 220 overnight, not four for 255. That's uh, reflective of um, Cameron Green really racing. A couple of those authoritative pull shots. The shot of the day, an on-drive to die for, um, he played one, you know, one monstrous cut shot as well. And again, it kind of, kind of comes back to this idea that when on song, in the right conditions, Green is just daunting for opposing fielding teams. The weirdness of the start of the day, let's go back to that, because we all woke up at 5.30 or something in the morning in order to get down here. We were told to make sure we got here by 6 so we could get in. There was security everywhere. Um, in the end, the checks weren't as stringent as we thought they might be, but you had the two Prime Ministers of India and Australia arriving at 8.30am. You had the bowlers out there marking their run-ups at about 7.45 in the morning, which you don't as normally As soon as they see. arrived, yeah. And then getting packed off to the outside ground to warm up. None of them were allowed on the main ground. There's the big touring around in the car doing the lap of honour. There's the dais. There's the dance. There are presentations. There are photographs. There's touring through the museum. There's Ravi Shastri comparing. This whole elaborate circus of a thing um, in order to... I don't even really know what the point of it was to say we are having economic discussions with Australia to back up a free trade agreement that we made recently. What's the political context of this? Yeah, I would say you need to divorce the political from the diplomatic. I mean, it wouldn't matter who the leader of the government here is in India and who the Prime Minister of Australia is. State visits have a certain rhythm to them. Um, you are grateful to be hosted by the uh, by the other government and, and you kind of behave accordingly. You're kind of a good guest, you know, you take your shoes off when you get to the door. Sure. You know, you, you don't, you know, you eat, you don't speak until spoken to. Like all of these old fashioned diplomatic rules apply. The harder conversations happen when the cameras aren't on, when the microphones aren't on. You know, that's when you can have a more full and frank conversation. But yeah, publicly, 
I wasn't surprised at all that, that things played out the way they did. We saw the rehearsal yesterday. We knew they were going to be in the back of a, a Batmobile of sorts, and I've sure. got form with these particular cars. Those of you who don't know, I, I bought a Batmobile a few years ago. Google it. It's a funny story. Um, but, yeah, like th there was that part of it. Um, there was the um, this holding... This literally a Batmobile. It was covered in cricket bats. Yeah, that, that's right. The holding up of the hands of the two captains, um, as Brad Sunderason um, explained uh, to us on our commentary today, that is the move that you do when you form an alliance with a coalition um, to form government. Right. That you, you raise your arms together, the two political leaders, and the fact that Rowett did that with... Anthony Albanese, the Australian Prime Minister, and the two captains. The way Brat interpreted this is that it's an emblem of um, the two countries being in alliance of mm. sorts. And that goes back to the economic um, point that you made before, free trade agreement that was inked last year. They're celebrating that at the moment. 75 years of the cricketing relationship yep. as we're seeing plastered all over the ground. So it can feel uncomfortable because we don't expect Test cricket to be a political pageant. And there is a political side to it as well, but it's worth noting the diplomatic piece as well. Yeah, deeply, deeply uncomfortable in terms of the political ostentation of it. Yep. And I'm sure I'll piss off some people saying this, whatever, it's it's our job to call things as we see them. I'll say one thing, we we don't, being from another place, we don't necessarily understand the way that things might be culturally perceived elsewhere. I understand that and I acknowledge that. But when you're in a position where a leader is being praised and fated and, and bowed down to, there's a point at which a leader stops being a leader and becomes a ruler. And there was that, that was the discomfort here today. It felt like people coming to worship at an altar of somebody rather than like there was no reason for a political leader to be in that position there was no reason to need that praise from a crowd and and it's equally uncomfortable when you're at a stadium named after the current Indian Prime Minister people have said before oh well that wasn't his idea that was the, the Gujarat yep. State Association or whatever it was he still had to accept it's not like he had no say in whether there would be a stadium named after him or not and if you are the current leader of a country you are supposed to serve your people. That's your job is to serve, not to be not to be honoured, not to be fated, not to be felicitated, not to have streamers, not to have posters of you. That display that was put on this morning was, for me, it's it's completely inappropriate that it would be at an international sporting event. It's sort of trying to divorce the state from the politics. Like, you know, it felt like a political rally at a state affair, if yeah. that makes sense. That That's where it kind of jarred a little bit. And, and I guess... And, and this is a cricket match. It has nothing to do with... It, it shouldn't be used as a vehicle. Yes, politicians go to sporting matches, but generally they're photographed in the crowd watching the game they're not on the field to play being the attraction themselves that's the bit that doesn't add up often it's more heads of state rather than heads of government as well it's not unusual for Queen Elizabeth II to have been presented to players and occasionally Prime Ministers as well yeah the way that I would sort of see it is is that um, in Australia which we are um, qualified to talk about because we're from Australia um, the, the Prime Minister would never have their name chanted around a cricket ground or a football ground. In fact, quite the opposite. Yep. It's etiquette to boo politicians of all persuasions. It's kind of part of the um, Australian way to, uh, I suppose, knock politicians down to our size. Yes. And maybe that's not always a good thing. You know, the, the discourse in Australia isn't even remotely close to perfect. I don't want to be an apologist for Australian politics, even though I, I sort of have worked in it. But, um, yeah, here it felt very different when um, the chanting of the, of the Prime Minister's name around the ground um, yeah, that, that felt that felt just most unusual to be witnessing and, and going around in the car and, and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, it, it, it certainly isn't a day that, that, that I will forget. And in a way, I mean, as we segue to the Hall of Fame, thanks to Visit Victoria, plan your Victorian trip. If you go to the MCG, you can boo the Prime Minister very happily. You can if you want, and, and it's not named after anybody. Yeah, I mean, if you name sporting infrastructure after somebody, it's usually someone Post who yeah. is involved with sport. Or posthumously, you can yeah. see, um, or, or after they finish their political careers, that's more the convention. Although I do note in India, from 
time to time there have been um, venues and other um, sites named after polys, as I was advised today. But yeah, certainly lots of administrators. Um, yeah. they've, they've tended to get the places named after them more than the players yeah, and, have, and, really. and stands and all, and all the rest of it. But no, I, I think that it was quite funny that India had their worst half an hour of the series to date when uh, Prime Ministers Modi and Abanese were watching. So poor old Mohammed Shami, I was going to say, I would say this for the Hall of Fame. First ball of the game, Harmison-esque ending up at second slip. Yeah. Uh, well, it should have ended up at second slip. K.S. Barat diving across to save his blushes. Then there was a two lots of four buys. Um, there was a dropped catch. I mean, it was all rather chaotic from yep. the end that, that Modi and Albanese were sitting at um, through the course of that 30 to 40 minutes before they broke off and went to Mumbai. Yeah, there was the one that, that, that came across so wide and you saw Coley sort of think about putting the hand out to save it and then realise he was going to get a finger snapped off and yes. sort of, I'm not sure if he had time to withdraw or not, but he didn't actually get a touch to it in the end. Um, my Hall of Fame might be the bit where Coley went into silly point. And, and short leg. Why on earth was he doing that? Why not? I mean, I mean he I, just I, got bored at slip. Maybe he got bored and he initiated it. Personally, I wouldn't be putting a veteran uh, in Rat Coley at short leg and silly point. I'd leave it to the youngsters. There's a reason why young guys field there. Coley, imagine he breaks a finger in at short leg. There would be hell to pay for, especially imagine with the IPL around the corner. Imagine True. if he takes a screamer. True. I shouldn't talk about leg. the IPL in this context, but you know what I'm trying to say. That yeah. There would be hell to pay if he broke a digit in at short leg, which happens from time to time. Happy days, I, I would have said. Um, yeah, and, and I thought... Cameron Green's attack on the new ball. Um, yeah, brilliant. But, but really, there's that one cover drive from Usman Khawaja, almost an extra cover drive, where he's got a short cover in and he's got oh, yeah. mid-offset quite deep and he's got the tiniest gap, you know, way far thin, and he threads it through that gap. That was just, that had me purring. Yeah, that took him into the 90s. It was the perfect shot to move to 92. I love that as well. I was on commentary at the time and I probably was purring. Uh, my only other Hall of Fame is the, the, um, the, um, the curiosity of the crowd today. Uh, we were thinking 91-112 oh, yeah. on the way in. 91-112 is the record for a single day test attendance. There were a lot of people in uh, between the start of play and lunch. And I went down to the crowd to watch the crowd on the bottom level of the Western Stand file out to get their, yep. you know, get their lunch or get out of the heat. It was really, really hot here today and they wouldn't want it to be in the sun. Yep. But only about a third of them came back. So the crowd after lunch probably yep. was closer to, say, 50,000, I would guess, if I was taking I'd, a punt. I don't, I don't think it was. I think it was 50,000 before lunch. I think it, I reckon it peaked it. Yeah, it, I reckon it, it, it might have been a few more. It didn't look more than half full. So that, that would be my Hall of Fame for all of all of the beat-up, <laughs> all of the build-up. They're going to get 130,000 in, going to bust them in from all over the country. It's going to be the biggest crowd you've ever seen. But, bow, damp squib. Like, maybe it was 50, maybe it was 60, whatever. If they, I was taking a punt, I reckon it's probably more like 70. But nevertheless, you're right. Your point stands that... Um, that, that the talked idea, a big game. Yeah, the, I, I haven't seen the official reported number yet. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 91,113. But... Believe me, I've been to the MCG, you've been to the MCG, visit melbourne.com hundreds and hundreds of times. I know what 80 or 90,000 people feels like in a stadium like mm. that. There wasn't 80 or 90,000 people in there today. Wow, that's a, that's a real life statement. I know what 80 or 90,000 people feel like. <laughs> it's a skill of mine. You, know, you look at the yeah. G and you go, that yeah. is 41,227. You get within a couple of thousand. Anyway. Right, I think that is enough for the final word daily. If you're furious and you want to yell at us, do it in the comments below. That's what it's for. It's YouTube. Uh, and if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, Democratic. It's much more civilised. You can just quietly listen, agree or disagree, um, and let us know on other forms of the internet where things don't get quite so virulent. Right, that's uh, been the final word daily. We'll be back on day two. Jeff Lemon, Adam Collins, this is it. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night. I ain't protected by the right and if my future questions, my current senses, that'd be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty, wrote this so you know what I meant. I had to go.